Matthew chapter 19. And my now brother-in-law, Daryl, went to ask my father-in-law if he could marry his daughter. My father-in-law picked up pretty soon that this is what he wanted to talk to him about. So in the course of the conversation, he kept changing the topic. My brother-in-law would get a little closer, and he'd start talking about something else. Uh, and until finally, he was able to get enough courage to bring up and ask his, my father-in-law if he could marry his daughter. And as they say, the rest is history. It can be hard to bring up certain topics, and sometimes other people don't help with that. Uh, but when we think about things that, what is commonly said, you don't talk and about people, about religion and politics, uh, but yet the God's Word says we need to talk about religion. We need to talk about eternity. And we're going to look today at this question, how can I have eternal life? How can I have eternal life? Is that up, Aaron? How can I have eternal life? Uh, we're going to look at it through this young man who came to Jesus And Mark tells us that he ran to Jesus. So he really wanted to know, and this is the first thing out of his mouth. What good thing, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And we'll see how he added to that question there. Uh, But he is one who wanted to know about eternity. He wanted to know how he could have eternal life. We see in this passage, he's many possessions, so he's rich. Verse 20, he's young, the young man. And Luke 18, another parallel passage, tells us that he is a ruler. So this passage is often called about the rich, young ruler and Jesus. So he came to Jesus wanting to know how I can have eternal life. And this is an important question. The fact that someone is even asking this question is a good thing, that they're thinking about eternity, not just this life. People can spend so much time, effort, and energy on other pursuits, they don't even think about eternity. Maybe they don't even believe in eternity. Uh, But uh, sometimes it's when people get older and they start to think more about eternity. Or if they have a near-death experience, they begin to think about it more. How do I know for sure about where I would go when I would die? But yet this man was young. And so he was thinking about this in his youth. Uh, As Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1 says, Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. He was doing that. He was coming to Jesus and asking how he could have eternal life. The Bible teaches that everyone will live forever, either in heaven or hell. Uh, How do I get to heaven? How do I know that I will have eternal life with God? How do I know that I am a Christian? We want to walk through, I want to walk through this passage with you and look at some things that he said, and that reveals what he thought. Uh, and I think it is reflective of what people think in general today. And then we're going to look back through this and see what Jesus thought. And see, the reality is this. People think all kinds of things about this is how I'm going to get to heaven. Uh, But yet, it's not just about what we think, it's about what Jesus says. So people think this, how can I have eternal life? People think this, I need to do good deeds. I need to do good deeds in order to get to heaven. Look at what he said in his question there in verse 16. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal 
life. Tell me the, the good thing, the earnest thing that I need to do to be able to have eternal life. And this man's uh, thinking he needed to do something, something probably big, something good that would assure him eternal life. He had some substance, he had some means, just lay it before me and I'll do it. People think that still today. If you do some heroic deed, you do some religious deed, then you will be assured of going to heaven. Uh, some people think if you get baptized, you go to heaven, or you take communion, the Lord's Supper, you go to heaven, or you're a part of a church, then you go to heaven. Some people think that if you go on a mission trip or you, uh, you some way uh, give of yourself, then you will go to heaven. Some religions teach that if you complete some pilgrimage, you'll be assured of eternal life. Or if you make some great sacrifice, your time, your money, even your life, you'll be assured of heaven. He wanted to do something. I need to do something good that I may have eternal life. I think uh, helpful in this is a man named Naaman in the Bible. Naaman was a Syrian commander who had leprosy. And he was told by a Jewish slave girl that if he went to the prophet, that he would be able to be healed. And so he went to the prophet Elisha in 2 Kings 5. And Elisha told him, go wash in the river Jordan, and then you'll be clean. And he said, no way, I don't want to do that. And as they're leaving, one of his servants says to him, if he had told you to do something hard, would you have done that? And he said, yeah. And I think this is in people's mind. I mean, not just something small, but something big. Give me some big challenge, something good that I'll do, and I'll do it. They're willing to take something hard on, something to, to do some good deeds to be able to gain eternal life. And Jesus is going to teach us, man, it's not through what you do. It's not through doing good deeds that you will go to heaven. But yet that's what people think. Secondly, people think, I need to be a good person. I need to be a good person, then I will go to heaven. Jesus responds to this man after uh, challenging him why he calls him good. He says, but if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, I want to just say right here, Jesus is not teaching a works-based salvation, that you keep all the Ten Commandments, you go to heaven. That's not what he's teaching. Uh, he is showing him, he wants to show him his sin. That's what we'll look at in just a little bit. But look at how this man sees what Jesus says. So Jesus tells, keep the commandments. He's like, okay, which ones? Sign me up. I'm ready. And he lists some from the second part of the Ten Commandments, the ones that relate particularly to other people. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. From the end of verse 19, he's quoting from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, a summary of these. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. That is what honors God. And look at how this young man responded in verse 20. All these things I have kept from my youth. I've done them. I've kept them. Ever since I was young, I have kept all these commandments. Did he think he was a good person? Yes, he did. He thought that he had kept the commandments. I don't think he was just making it up. I think he honestly thought that he had kept them all. And so he was resting on his own goodness. 
This is why God should accept me, because I'm a good person. And how many people think that today? I'm, I'm basically a good person. I'm, I'm a good neighbor to others. I provide for my family. I pay my bills. I, I help out uh, with others. I, I work hard at my job. I'm a pretty good person. I'm a good person. Many people think that because they are good, they will go to heaven. Because good people go to heaven. That's what they think. But yet, uh, Jesus is trying to show this man his sin. And when you think about our own goodness, often it's relating to someone else. I'm better than them. I haven't done these things. And the standard is God. I've talked with people before who thought they've been good, and they say, yeah, I keep the Ten Commandments. And I've asked them, well, what are the Ten Commandments? They could only list about three of them. They didn't really know what God wanted. And they were thinking of their own goodness based upon their own terms instead of what God has said. But notice what this thinking is. If I have to be good, notice what this thinking leads to. Look at the end of verse 20. What what did this man say? What do I still lack? He thought, I'm keeping those commandments. But something's missing. Maybe it was a guilt. Maybe it was... Uh, some, some nagging thing in his mind. Uh, but he, he sensed that something was missing. And if your acceptance before God is based upon your goodness, how good do you have to be? How good is enough? You have to keep up that cycle to, in order for God to accept you. You see, you need more than just to be good to go to heaven. You need to be perfect. And none of us are perfect. And James chapter 2, verse 10 says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. And so we are guilty before God, even by breaking one of his commandments. And this is what the, Jesus was trying to show this man. Well, let's look at one other uh, misconception, what people think. I need to sacrifice for others. So Jesus responds to this man and said, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Now, we'll see in a moment, this man went away from Jesus, was not willing to do that, and we'll see why Jesus is challenging him in this. But I, th- I think this leads to this conception, a misconception of people think, if I just sacrifice, if I give money to the poor, if I give of my time and uh, then God will accept me. If I make some great sacrifice for others, then God will accept me. And so it could be relating to money, uh, giving to charity, helping people in their needs, giving to church, or giving their time, serving in their community, uh, or could be uh, some realm of sacrifice, like I risk my life for others, then God will accept me. Uh, I serve as a volunteer firefighter, and a few years ago, someone passed on to me a, a poem saying, a firefighter's final inspection. And after sharing some of the struggles and hardships of being a firefighter, the poem ends like this. A step forward now, you firefighter, you've borne your burdens well. Walk peacefully on heaven's streets, you've done your time in hell. What is this communicating? You've sacrificed enough, now you can go to heaven. That's not what God's word says. It's not through sacrificing 
in this life that we are assured of eternal life. And so as we look at this in God's word, uh, we can have wrong ideas. We can hold to them, and people can hold to them, even well-meaning. Meaning. Notice what Jesus is trying to teach this man, and he's filtering through what Jesus says through his own preconceived ideas. And so he doesn't come to the truth by the end of it because he's not willing to listen to what Jesus says. He hears what Jesus says and then says, okay, this. Uh, and so too, with, unless, unless we accept God's word as the truth and accept it uh, for what it really says, we can hear all truth all day long and to come away with our own ideas. And so in the, in the end of the day, it's not what we think, it's what Jesus says. So what does Jesus say about how we can have eternal life? First of all, I need to see that God alone is good. That God alone is good. This man came to Jesus, verse 16, and said, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? From here in other gospels, we see that he addressed him as good. uh, And uh, teacher was another form for rabbi. And uh, in that day, uh, most people would not call their rabbi or their teacher good. That was a term that was reserved for God alone. And so Jesus challenges this man, why are you calling me good? Why are you saying that? Uh, and do you really think that I am God? And he responds to this man, no one is good but one, that is God. God alone is good. And so Jesus is teaching him about the nature and character of God, that God in his essence, in his character, his attribute, he is good. I love what Psalm 119.68 says, you are good and you do good. And so all of God's being, he is good, and everything that he does is good. And if we're going to see ourselves as who we truly are before God, we need to see Jesus as who he truly is. And the Bible teaches that he is good. Other ways that we could uh, round this out is seeing that Jesus is perfect. He's righteous. He's sinless. He's holy. Uh, And if we're going to see ourselves as who we truly are, we need to, first of all, see that God alone is good. Secondly, I need to see that I am sinful. I need to see that I am sinful. That is what Jesus was trying to help this man see by sharing the Ten Commandments. If we really think at each of those Ten Commandments, he first starts with uh, one probably less people have done, murdered, but then goes down to honor your father and mother and love your neighbors yourself. I mean, do you really think that before God, all of your growing up years, you honored your parents perfectly? <laughs> no, uh, this is not just obeying, but with the right attitude. I mean, yet this man was blind to his own sinfulness and his own self-righteousness when Jesus was trying to help him see you have sinned. And that's what he is trying to say by go sell what you have and give to the poor. This man was very rich and he was holding on to his wealth instead of loving his neighbor as himself. And Jesus is not saying that riches is wrong. He'll go on in the next passage and say, Uh, Riches can keep people from coming to Jesus because they don't think they need anything. They don't think they need salvation. But he's challenging this man, if you're really going to love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to give to help your neighbor's needs. 
And so this man truly didn't love his neighbor as himself. In fact, he was bearing false witness. He was lying about the fact that he had kept all these from his youth. And so this man was a sinner who was guilty before God. And Jesus used the law to help show him his sin. That's what Romans chapter 3, 19 and 20 tells us. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law shows us our sin. If we are honest before God about God's law, it shows us who we are, that we have broken his commandments. But instead of this man seeing, you know what, I have sinned. I haven't loved my neighbor as myself. He went away. That's a very sad statement in the Bible, and we're not told about this man again, if he ever responded to Jesus. He rejected Jesus because he was not willing to see his own sin. What about you? Do you see yourself as a sinner? One who has broken God's law, guilty before God, deserving his judgment. Many people don't ever have eternal life because they are resting in their own goodness instead of recognizing that they are sinners in need of forgiveness. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, those who are well have no need of a physician or a doctor, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He wants us to see our sin and to lead to repentance. And that leads to the third truth. I need to surrender and follow Jesus. This man wanted to come to Jesus on his own terms. And Jesus said, you need to give of what you have and then come follow me. We could say it this way as well. I need to repent and to believe the gospel. The goodness of God, Romans chapter 2 verse 4 leads us to repentance. If we really grasp how good God is, it should make us see how sinful we are and and, uh, we are guilty before a a holy and righteous God. We see, I read this past week, there are two great wonders. One, that God should be so good to man who is and does evil against him. And the other, that man should do evil against so good a God. God is so good, so gracious and kind, and we have sinned against him. He wants us to turn from that, that wrong thinking that we are perfect and to recognize our guilt before God that leads us to faith in Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Acts chapter 16, verse 31 says, and so Jesus calls this man, you can't come to me on your own terms. You need to come to me on my terms. And to turn uh, from that sin, turn from that wrong thinking about your own sin, to repent and to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Whatever ideas you have that lead you to think that you can keep your sinful ways and add Jesus to your life, That is wrong. And whatever ideas that you may have that you can believe in Jesus and not follow him, that is wrong. Faith leads to following. And this man was not willing to follow because he wasn't willing to believe in him. He was resting in his own goodness before God. 
Instead of seeing I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. And God offers the, the gift of salvation. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He holds it out as a gift to all who receive it by faith. Not trusting in themselves or own goodness, but readily admitting that they are sinners before God and trusting in His Son, Jesus Christ, as their Savior. Is that a decision that you have made? To trust in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior. We heard this this morning in Scott's testimony, Romans 10, 9 and 10. But if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Later in verse 13, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the good news of the gospel. You can know you have eternal life. Have you turned to him, believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior? If so, you have eternal life. And that eternal life is eternal. 